you have your Bibles this morning, we're open to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look there. I want to begin a new series of messages today on the Sermon on the Mount, titled The Only Way to Live. And the reason I call it that is because that's what Jesus tells us in the greatest sermon ever preached, how to live. There was a Chinese Christian who came to a missionary one time, and he said, I've learned to quote the entire Sermon on the Mount by memory. And then he stood before him and perfectly quoted the sermon word for word. And the missionary said, well, that's wonderful, but how did you do it? And the Chinese Christian said, well, I spent the last year of my life trying to live it. Uh, Dr. James Stewart, a great British preacher, once said, the greatest threat to Christianity is not communism, it's not atheism, it's not materialism, it's not humanism. The greatest threat to Christianity is Christians trying to sneak into heaven incognito without ever sharing their faith, without ever living the Christian life, without ever being involved in the most significant work God is doing on the planet. See, that's the problem Jesus is trying to remedy with this sermon. I mean, think about the crowd that Jesus was speaking to. Right? It's not a gathering of the United Nations. It wasn't Congress or Parliament. It wasn't even City Hall. It was simply a crowd on a hillside in a tiny spot of land called Palestine. Just a group of common, everyday, ordinary people living common, ordinary lives. They were under occupation. They couldn't make their own laws. They couldn't plan their own future. They couldn't determine their own destinies. And yet, listen to what Jesus says to them. Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, you may think you're insignificant, but, but I'll tell you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can make an incredible difference in this world. There was a man walking through the county fair, and he saw this little girl, and she was carrying this gigantic fluff of cotton candy on a stick. It was almost as big as she was. And he said, man, how can a little girl like you eat so much cotton candy? And she looked at him and she said, well, I'm really much bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Hmm. That, that's true of all of us who are Christians. We are salt and we are light. But what does that mean? I mean, why does Jesus insist that we need to pass the salt and turn on the light? How, how do we even do that? Well, you see, you shake the salt on a decaying world. You are the salt of the earth. Well, why does Jesus refer to us as salt? Well, well, let's just think about it. Salt is uh, chemically composed of sodium and chloride. Now, if you took hydrochloric acid and you poured it on your hand, it would, your hand would be burned away in less than a minute. If you drink hydrochloric acid, you'll die in unbelievable agony very quickly. 
But you add sodium to hydrochloride and you have salt. One of the most common useful substances on the planet. See, understand how valuable salt was in Jesus' day. I mean, because we take for granted so many things, and yet to them, salt was like gold. Salt's a a preservative. And 2,000 years ago, they didn't have refrigeration. So salt was so valuable, it was often traded ounce for ounce for gold. Roman soldiers were paid in salt. In fact, the word salary is derived from the word salt. If a Roman soldier didn't do his job, he wouldn't get all of his salt. It's actually where we get the phrase, he's not worth his salt. It's if someone's not doing a good day's work. But you see, our world is decaying. Our world is rotting. And it is our job as salt to preserve the holiness of God. To preserve the goodness of Jesus as much as we can. Because really, as bad as things are in our world today, imagine how worse they would be if there were no churches. Imagine how bad things would be if there were no Christians. Or how bad would it be without the Scripture? Or how bad would it be if there were no preachers sharing the Gospel? We need to be salt. But there's a danger. Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, if we ask a chemistry, chemistry teacher, they'll tell you that, that that's impossible for salt to become unsalty. Sodium chloride is one of the most stable compounds in the universe. It doesn't change. It doesn't lose its character. But listen to what Jesus is saying. Understand 2,000 years ago. See, a lot of the salt that they used in Palestine came from the Dead Sea, a more than a mile and a half below sea level. The waters from the Sea of Galilee flowed into the Jordan River and from there to the Dead Sea. Once the water got there, there was just no place to go. And so the hot sun would evaporate the water and leave behind chunky white powder. And it was made up of a combination of salt and minerals. That powder contained enough salt that it could season your meat and flavor soup. And and that's why people would get their salt from the Dead Sea. But it was also mixed with minerals. It wasn't pure sodium chloride. And so it's possible with a little dampness in the air for that salt to be dissolved and dissipate. And when that happens, salt would lose all of its seasoning, all of its flavor. Now what does all this have to do with you and me? See, the worst thing a Christian could lose it's not his wealth, it's, it's not his job, it's not his health, it's not his family, it's not, not even his life. The worst thing that we can lose is our testimony. Because when we lose our testimony, our salt loses its seasoning, it loses its flavor. And when that happens, Jesus said it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Literally good for nothing. It reminded me of a little boy who came into the house one day and he said, Mom, if you give me $5, I'll be a good boy today. And she looked at him and she said, Well, why can't you be good for nothing just like your father? You see, the one thing that contaminates the salt of our life is all the chemicals and all of the dirt of the world. 
Then let me, let me explain. When we conform to a culture, instead of transforming a culture, we lose our seasoning. I mean, we would think that, that Christian families, that, that believers would be the salt of the earth, and yet evangelicals account for one in every six abortions in America. Over half of Christian teenagers have engaged in premarital sex before they reach 18. That's why Jesus said, when salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled by men. See, when they would bring salt from the Dead Sea and it got contaminated with other minerals and that would make the taste flat or, or sometimes even repulsive and it would be worthless. But you couldn't throw that out onto your gardens or the fields because it would kill whatever was planted. So instead, they would throw that out into the road and it would gradually get ground into the dirt and disappear as people walked all over it. You see, the church today is being walked on by the world. I mean, there's no respect for the church in this world anymore. And I think part of it is because we've become too much like the world. And the average person that's outside of the church looks at the average person inside of the church and he says, well, he's no different than I am. Why should I go to church? Why should I practice Christianity? Why should it matter? You know, the majority religion in America is still Christianity. And yet, we're dominated today not by the values of Christianity, but by the values of humanism. But remember, Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. And salt is worthless if it never comes in contact with the food. I mean, salt may look great inside of the salt shaker, but if it stays there, it's really worthless. You see, the salt, the church is the salt shaker, and the earth, well, that's the school, business, your, your neighborhood. And we need to get the salt out of the shaker onto the earth where it can do some good. And there was a guy who walked into a mom-and-pop grocery store and he said, do you sell salt? And the man said, do we sell salt? Well, just look. And he showed the customer a wall of shelves stocked nothing with, but salt. Morton salt, iodized salt, kosher salt, sea salt, rock salt, garlic salt, seasoning salt, Epsom salt, every kind of salt imaginable. And the customer said, wow, that's amazing. And he said, you think that's something? Come here. And, and he led him to a back room. And it was filled with shelves and bins and cartons and barrels and boxes of salt. And the customer said, wow, this is unreal. And the man said, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. And he led him down some steps into this basement, five times larger than the previous room. And it was filled wall to wall, floor to ceiling, with every imaginable form, size, and shape of salt you could imagine. And the man looked at him and said, wow, you really do sell salt. And the store owner said, no, we don't sell salt. And that's the problem. We never sell salt. He said, but the salt salesman who comes by every week, boy, does he sell salt. <laughs> See, here's the point. Salt that stays on the shelf, stays in the shaker, doesn't do anyone any good. It's got to get out into the world to make a difference. We, as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, 
have to get out into our world, into our community, into our schools, into our workplace, into our neighborhoods. And we have to season it with the love of Christ to make a difference. And then he says, shine the light to a darkened world. Right? He says, you are the light of the world. Now, here, what's the difference between salt and light? Salt relates to our character, and light relates to our conduct. Salt deals with what we are. Light deals with what we do. And we know what light does, right? It dispels darkness, and it attracts. I mean, if you're in a dark place, and there is one light, all eyes are going to focus on that light. Light is what gives sailors a course to follow across the sea. They determine directions often by the stars that are light years away. The gleam of a lighthouse on the horizon gives direction and attracts attention. And now it should be obvious, right? But the reason that Jesus commands that we should shine as a light is because our world lives in total darkness. Throughout Scripture, we are commanded to shine. 2 Corinthians 4.6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.15 says, That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Ephesians 5.8 For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. And you may be thinking, so Jesus said, I am the light of the world. How do I do that? <laughs> well, it's simple. See, Jesus is the sun, and we're like the moon. He's the light that reveals God, and we are the light that reflects God. There was a little boy that his mom took him to a famous cathedral and on the windows were these pictures of various Christians. And as he was watching the sunbeams shine through the stained glass windows, he asked his mom, Mom, who are the people on the windows? And she said, well, they're saints. And the little boy looked at the windows and he said, well, now I know what a saint is. It's people that let the light shine through. You got it right. That's what a saint is. It's someone who lets the light of Jesus shine through them. Jesus went on to say, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you'll begin to understand what he meant. Back in, in Bible days, they didn't have bulldozers and equipment like we have, so cities were just built one layer on top of another. And if a city got invaded, it would be burned down, destroyed, and they would take the rubble, level it out, and then use that as a foundation to build the next city on top of it. Layer by layer by layer. And if you go to Israel, for example, you can see the ancient city of Jericho. And these hills in Jericho are called tells. And a city built on a tell or on a hill cannot be hidden. And see, neither should your light. Jesus says in verse 15, Nor do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, you put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Just like the, the song goes, we are to let our little light shine. 
You need to be light in this dark world. And notice Jesus did not say you can be salt or you should be light. He said you are. You already are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So shake the salt in this decaying world. Shine the light of Christ into the darkened world. Share the truth to a dying world. Jesus concludes this way, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So it raises the question, how do you know if you're being salt and light? How do you know if you're shaking the salt and how do you know if you're shining your light? Here's the test. If men see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, I'm convinced the two greatest days in the life of an individual who's a Christian is this. First, the day they're born again. The the day they surrender their lives to Christ and are baptized and give their life to Him. And the second day, when you come to understand why you were born again. When you begin to live life in such a way that people are attracted to Christ and they want to glorify your Father in heaven, you'll know that your salt is salty and your light is bright. Someone said the real mark of a saint is he makes it easier for others to believe in God. You you should live your life in such a way, you should reflect Christ in such a way that it not only brings glory to God, but it causes other people to want to bring glory to God. There was a, a Sunday school teacher talking to his class, and he said, boy, here's a watch. What's it for? He said, well, it's to tell time. He said, suppose the watch doesn't keep time. What's it good for? He said, good for nothing. He said, here's a pencil. What's it for? And they said, well, it's to write with. He said, okay, suppose the pencil doesn't make a mark. What's it good for? It's good for nothing. He took out a knife, and he said, boys, what's this for? And they said, to cut things with. He said, suppose it won't cut anything. What's it good for? Good for nothing. He said, boys, whatever else you do, if you do not glorify God by the way that you live, if you do not bring others to glorify God, what are you good for? And they all said, good for nothing. Let me close with this. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Not not just salt for the neighborhood you live in or the city you live by. You have enough salt and enough light for this earth, for the entire world. You just need to let it shine. There there was a, a duck. Little duck broke its wing during its flight home for winter, and a sympathetic farmer retrieved the fallen duck and took him home. and And his children adopted the duck as their pet and began to feed him from the table. And they would take him along as they performed their daily chores. Well, at the next fall, the children were heartbroken as they watched this duck look at other ducks who were flying south for the winter. But his wing still wasn't strong enough to fly. So every time a a flock flew south, the duck would look longingly into the sky and and then return and play with the children. 
The second year, the duck's wing had grown stronger, but the children had fed the duck so well when he attempted to take off, he was just too fat to get off the ground. After a couple attempts, he gave up and returned to play with the children. The third year was completely healed, but as the other ducks quacked their call to go south, the duck never even looked up as they flew over. He became so accustomed to the comforts of his new life, of his new existence, he lost focus on the true calling and meaning of his life. You see, God has not called us to be fat ducks, satisfied with a world that is going up in smoke. God has called us to be eagles soaring through the clouds of holiness, shaking out the salt of a godly life and shining the light of truth of Jesus Christ and bringing as many men and women as we can to glorify our Father in heaven. So let me ask you, are you the salt of the earth? Are you the light of the world? Are you shining your light? Or maybe is your life as a follower of Christ making a difference? Or does it need to today? If you need to make that change, if you need to surrender your life to Christ, I, I invite you to come as we sing.